Hi, my name is uh, Vincent Fischer. Uh, I'm, I'm a French citizen. My uh, two children uh, were kidnapped on August 10th, 2018 um, from their house in Tokyo. Um, my son, Tsubasa, was about to turn three, uh, and my daughter, Kaede, was uh, 11 months old. I, um, for the last three years now, I have not uh, heard from them, um, and neither has the French government, despite requesting help from the Japanese government. This is my story. In 2018, Vincent Ficho came home to an empty house in Tokyo, Japan. His wife, three-year-old son, and 11-month-old daughter had vanished. All he had done was suggest that he might want a divorce. He hasn't seen or heard from his family since, and every effort to contact or reunite with his family has been blocked by his wife, her lawyers, Japanese courts, the police, and even the politicians and policymakers from Japan. Now, with nowhere else to go, Vincent has started a hunger strike in a desperate attempt to reunite with his kids. His goal is to stop the strike with a positive end or die trying, literally. I had a chance to speak with Vincent last week, almost five days before he started the strike. In this podcast, you will hear the extent a dad will go to reunite with his kids the gross negligence of Japanese courts on the rights of children to have both their parents and above all, the reality of child abduction when it comes to Japan. Before we get to the episode, I would like to remind everyone that we recently launched a petition targeted at the Japanese government to stand up for the 3 million kids who have been trafficked since 1991, legally with the help of single custody laws in Japan. Japan does not recognize joint custody laws as the lawyers and judges profit from it and receive up to 30% of child support payments until the child reaches 20 years of age. While it's a gain for the lawyers and judges, this is a loss-law situation for the children and parents affected by the single custody law. Winning this campaign depends on our ability to call on thousands of supporters like you. Your signature is the support that we need. Please support our petition and tell the international organizations and other governments to pressure Japan to adopt a joint custody law. You can find the petition at change.org slash Japan. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi, Vincent. First of all, I would like to thank you for taking the time off your busy schedule, especially in times like this where you are going to go on an all or nothing hunger strike. I know that you have already resigned from your high-paying job, sold your assets, and prepared your will in preparation for this hunger strike. Before we go deeper into it, can you briefly explain to our listeners your motivation 
and your expectation going into this hunger strike? Um, yeah, I um, I've decided to to start a hunger strike this coming Saturday, so July 10th. Um, I'll be doing that in front of the uh, Tokyo Olympic Stadium. Yeah, so the the, the reason um, uh, that led me to uh, to do this um, uh, to take this drastic action is because I've tried everything from a, from a legal standpoint. Um, I've uh, since my children were uh, kidnapped uh, on August 10th, 2018. Um, I've uh, I went to the uh, I went to the police four times in Japan to to claim child abduction um, as well as child abuse because I have uh, unfortunately evidence of that, and the the police uh, refused to um, to take my my claim into account. Um, as a matter of fact, they were so annoyed that the the fourth time I went there, um, they told me that if I tried to find my my children by myself. Uh, they would uh, they would likely arrest me for a kidnapping attempt, which is um, which is ironical. And um, I went to the public prosecutor twice in Japan, um, who wrote letters uh, asking me to go to the police so that they can start an investigation. But instead, when I went back to the police with his letters, the, the police threatened me uh, of uh, you know of arrest uh, for for a kidnapping attempt. Um, the uh, I, I, uh, I found a criminal case in France. This is ongoing for both child abuse and, and child abduction, but it's just taking ages. And um, my, my embassy has contacted the, the Ministry of Justice of Japan, who so far is refusing to even reply to the demand to uh, locate and assert of my children's well-being in a violation of you know, multiple uh, international convention, uh, especially one on consular protection. Um, I, I filed a case to the United Nations. I was uh, in European Parliament uh, presenting the case last year, and, and the resolution was eventually um, passed, uh, asking Japan to put an end to um, the abduction of European children in Japan. I met with the French president in June of 2019 um, to uh, explain him the situation my children were in. He addressed uh, Abisan, the Japanese prime minister at the time, directly that night, um, calling our situation unacceptable, but there was no response from the Japanese authorities. So I've tried everything. I've gone to the UN, the European Parliament, to the police, prosecutors. Um, uh, my head of state uh, asked the Japanese head of state to, to remedy the situation, um, and, and, and nothing's moving. And, and since then, three years have passed, so my, my children have forgotten about me, they've been alienated, um, and, and, and worse, my, my government cannot even assert whether my children are alive or not, uh, which is frankly unheard of for a, uh, for a developed country. And that really shows that Japan has no interest in, uh, in remedying the situation. So in light of these violations, and, and, and if I do nothing, this is likely to persist until my, my children become adults, and, and my daughter was only 11 month old when she was abducted and, and my son was three. Um, we, we need to press the Japanese government to do something. Um, but the soft diplomacy does not work in Japan. It, it's really um, a misconception from um, Westerners to think that Japan cannot be uh, spoken uh, directly uh, and, and that you know everything has to be consensus driven in Japan. It's, it's, actually, it's actually not the case. Um, and I've been here 15 years, so I, I fairly know how the Japanese work. So I've also asked my government to take some uh, actions towards Japan uh, in light of their refusal to, to even engage. Um, in, in fact, France asked the Japanese government to 
uh, reinstate a, a liaison bureau to um, uh, to look after the cases of French children abducted within or to Japan. Um, that, that's how bad it is. And that, that request was made in May 2019. And as, as of three weeks ago, um, and I received a letter from the uh, French Minister of Foreign Affairs, the Japanese had not um, replied to, uh, to the multiple requests so for over two years. And that, again, that shows that Japan does not want to... Um, to look into the uh, you know the, the child abduction cases, so France is just trying nicely um, using soft diplomacy, um, and, and that does not work. So what I want to do is to um, now put the French government in a position where they are going to have to choose between uh, you know the life of a French man, uh, possibly uh, while well, putting his life at stake in front of the media's during the Olympics. Uh, to uh, make sure that his children rights are respected, um, or the French government is just you know does not care um, and and just wants to continue maintaining uh, nice relationships with Japan. But in you know at, at the end of the day, it is the, uh, the the obligation of the French state to protect its citizens, especially his children, um, its children uh, even outside of its borders. So. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that my, my my action will trigger a reaction from the French authorities, where they are going to make the final request um, to the Japanese government to immediately provide reparation to um, our children who have been kidnapped uh, with the help of the Japanese government, according to uh, United Nations principles. Um, and if Japan refuses, uh, then France should uh, apply some sanctions, and and there are many sanctions that Japan can apply. They can expel the Japanese ambassadors to Paris. Uh, they can recall the French ambassadors to Japan. They can, um, and, and that's what I'm asking, they must, in fact, um, take this issue to the International Court of Justice. Uh, we're talking about human rights violations uh, that Japan refuses to acknowledge and do anything about it. Um, and this is a G7 country. So I'm certainly not asking to uh, impose French laws in Japan. I'm merely asking for the rule of law to be respected in Japan. Uh, Japan has a penal code uh, that protects the abduction of a minor, uh, like in most developed countries. Japan ratified the Convention on the Right of the Child uh, in uh, 1994, over 26 years ago, um, and uh, and does not respect it. Uh, and yet that convention, Article 35, um, clearly states that the abduction of a child for any reason uh, under any form uh, is to be banned. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm only asking France to uh, ask Japan to respect its own penal code, to respect the treaties, the human rights laws that it has duly ratified. Um, and, and, and if Japan doesn't do that, they should be facing consequences. The, uh, the United Nations uh, wrote a protocol in 2005 uh, about the reparation for gross violation of human rights. And this is basically what I'm asking um, my government through my action to uh, have Japan respect. Um, and, and that basically includes the return of one's uh, place of residence, the right to family life, the right to identity, uh, the promise of non-repetition. Um, and and th this is what I'm asking. But, but clearly France has to um, tell Japan that they must act immediately. Um, or apply sanction um, right after that. 
from what I know, most protests, even hunger strikes or union strikes, will come with a list of demands. Do you have any such demands? In other words, what are the conditions you have put forward in order for you to stop this hunger strike? Um, the strike will last as long as I, uh, as long as my children are not coming back home. So uh, there are you know, really um, three ways for me to, to, to go back home. It's uh, the first one and the ideal one is with my children in my arms. The second one is um, because France has finally agreed to, uh, to, to, to apply sanction against Japan, um, which would show me that you know, my government is finally deciding to protect my children. Or uh, the third one is in the box, um, but I've, um, I'm fully committed to um, taking that action until the end. I, I, as a father, I have an obligation to do um, what's necessary to protect my uh, my children, and I'm uh, intending on fulfilling that obligation. So, in, in terms of requests, uh, I have not informed the, the government yet, um, but is uh, you know it is pretty clear that to to me I'm I'm asking the French government to uh, request Japan to provide reparation to my children according to the uh, United Nations principle and, and the reason I'm doing that is because as I mentioned I, I don't want France to come across as trying to impose French law uh, in a foreign sovereign state we're just asking them to respect the international treaty um, that Japan has uh, ratified. Now we have established that. Can you explain a bit about what happened with your children? Just a quick brief rundown on what caused the abduction. How long you've been away from your children? What did you try legally or in other, any other means to gain custody back? Yeah, so um, you know, my wife and I had um, had uh, issues in our, in our couple. So in uh, June of 2018, I, um, I brought up... Uh, the, um, I brought up divorce, um, and, and at that time I had been in Japan 12 years and I had never heard um, that there was a possibility um, that I could never see my children. So I, I spoke to her, I sent an email to a lawyer asking him to mediate um, the, the, the separation um, so that we could structure a, uh, a deal um, that would benefit the children. And, and really in my email, and I copied my wife in that email, I, uh, I studied that I wanted to protect um, our children from, um, you know, our couple issue. And a few weeks later, I uh, my my wife refused to uh, to talk about divorce. But a few weeks later, I um, I left home on a Friday on on August tenth, two thousand eighteen, and everything seemed normal. Uh, and I came back from work around six p.m. And when I opened the door, I realized that the house had been uh, emptied. Um, and uh, since that day, I haven't seen my children. Uh, I, my son uh, was about to turn three the following day, and my daughter was uh, 11 months old. Um, so, yeah. Now, in this podcast and with Find My Parent, we've been making a lot of noise to gain global attention on the custody laws of Japan. By now, I'm sure the listeners will know about how Japan practices default sole custody as opposed to joint custody. As someone who's been battling these for a few years now and have decided to go on the most extreme measure, why do you think Japan do that? Well, to, to begin with, I think it's not an issue of uh, joint custody or single custody. Um, as a matter of fact, it's not even an issue about um, uh, parental rights. It's, it's an issue about uh, children's rights. So 
And, and Japan has a legal frame, framework to protect the, uh, the interests of the children. So when you hear people asking, you know, joint custody, so on and so forth, it's actually misleading. Um, uh, you know, d- d- even in a sole custody environment, the judicial system should um, make sure that they give the custody to the parent who's putting forward a plan uh, to raise the children that that will maximize the best interest. So, you know, if you have a, a parent that says, "I'll make sure that my children never see uh, their father or their mother again," um, clearly th- this person is not responsible uh, to to raise children uh, because they are, you know, not not really protecting their interests. Um, but but Japan automatically gives custody to the abducting parent. Um, so, 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 you know, it's not a, it's not a matter of changing the law. It's a matter of really respecting the, the existing law. Um, same with the kidnapping really. Uh, and the reason why, why this is happening, one of the reason is, um, is the financial collusion, um, whereby, uh, law firms are collecting a percentage of the alimony. Uh, so in a sense, they're basically taking away money, um, that should be paid to uh, to children for their education, their food and accommodation. So it can range from 10 to 30% of the monthly money that goes straight to the lawyer's pocket. Um, and you have to know that uh, judges in Japan, um, when they retire, they tend to join law firms um, uh, dealing with family issues that they've ruled for for the last 10 to 20 years. So there is a big financial collusion. Um, judges as well are running uh, visitation centers in Japan. So those are like private institutions um, that once abducted would allow you to see your child uh, in, a, um, in a room uh, where everything is recorded. You have a supervisor behind you. Uh, you cannot speak any other language than, than Japanese. You cannot take pictures, bring uh, gifts to your children. And you have to pay between 100 to 150 dollars US dollars to spend one hour with your child once a month. These visitation centers or a private organization run by uh, former judges. Um, so you have you have huge monetary um, incentive to to, to keep um, uh, you know the child abduction business running. There, there was actually a very nice book um, published in April of this year that that exposed everything with with uh, hard evidences. The other thing as well is that the um, Japanese don't have the um, emotional intelligence to uh, worry about the interests of their children. They, they get stuck on their own children, even as parents, which is truly shocking to be fair. They, they, there's been, um, they have not e- uh, evolved much. And while abduction can um, make a left behind parent, a mother or a father, Mothers in Japan tend to abduct the, the, the children the most, um, and that, that, that is led by um, wrongly led by a feminist movement that says, "Oh, you know, women uh, should actually be the one raising uh, children," and they brand themselves as um, as uh, human, uh, human rights NGOs, feminist NGOs, which is actually the, the total opposite from what we're seeing in the West, where, uh, or even just not the West, in every other part of Asia too, except for Japan, is that. Um, you know, the feminist movement is here to emancipate uh, women to 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 make sure they can access to uh, equal job opportunities. They can you know they can meet someone after separation, so on and so forth, which is which is the normal really. But here in Japan, basically, these uh, feminist NGOs consider that the woman should be the one uh, staying home and raising the child. 
Um, so, you know, it's a combination of really financial collusion within the judicial uh, branch. Um, some uh, wrongly led feminist NGOs um, and, 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 and a culture that really doesn't want to, uh, to evolve, um, which, is, which is truly sad. Awesome answer. And you mentioned a few things that I want to get a bit deeper into. First of all, we spoke about lawyers, judges and visitation centers. But I'm sure the politicians or the people who were elected by the common Japanese people have a good idea on how big this issue is in Japan. Why is there no pressure to solve it? Is it because they are in on the corruption and colluding with the judges and lawyers? No, no, I, th- I think there's a bit of that. Um, you have to know that in, uh, in, in Japan, even though they claim that the judicial branch is, uh, is independent from the government, like in any other democracy, um, 30% of, the, well, the Ministry of Justice in Japan is, is composed of uh, 30% of people coming from the judicial branch as, a, as an assignment, as a secondment. So you have basically judges or you know, members of family court, high court, um, going to the uh, Ministry of Justice to work for a period of two to three years to, to exchange ideas, uh, supposedly. But, you know, these people then, once they join the Ministry of Justice, who's really here to make sure that the judicial branch is functioning normally, well, it's composed of people who were working uh, as judges and who are going back to work as judges. So these people have, uh, and some of them have vested interests, as we discussed previously, so they have no interest in in, in changing the system, really. Um, so, you know, it's... Uh, not, nothing can change. I think that's that, that's one of the reasons. Uh, the second reason is I think it's inherent to the Japanese culture where if something does not impact you directly, you just don't care. Um, the, the third one is there's also very little awareness about uh, human rights uh, in Japan. And there's a huge media control by the, by the government. And that issue has not been um, relayed in, in any of the medias up until maybe two years ago. Um, and but for the last two years, we started seeing the Japanese press, you know, reporting about child abduction, uh, which is a step forward, but, it, you know, it, it takes ages. Um, and also, people are looking at, you know, the, the, the wrong issue. Again, in Japan, you know, they, um, for example, there's a, there's a family law uh, group composed of uh, scholars uh, and MPs here um, looking to revise uh, or to provide guidance for uh, revising the family law in Japan. But this meeting, this group meets once a month uh, and each member uh, is allowed to speak for five minutes. So how can you really uh, you know, move forward in, in this condition? There's no really task force because there's no really will. Um, and, and they're looking at the, the wrong issue. They were talking about making sure that you know visitation are respected. Because even you know after your child is abducted in Japan and, and you're lucky enough to have the right to see your child for one or two hours every two three months, um, there's no enforcement mechanism. So um, uh, the um, the rulings are not binding really uh, technically in Japan. Uh, so this this is not the issue. The issue is that you know once the child abduction should be severely punished because what causes the biggest trauma in a child if is when they're moved overnight um, and that any relationship with the other parents, the other family, their school, everything, um, all these ties are, are severed and 
Um, and, and this is really what hurts children. And this is why, for example, in case of international abduction, the, the Hague Convention stipulates that the child should go back home within six weeks, which is not even happening in Japan. Uh, but, but that's really to avoid the children from um, being alienated, losing, losing contact with um, you know, the world that he knew before. Um, I think it is, that sadly, it's the people who are in charge of changing um, the, the, the rules and, and making things better are actually very ill-informed. And finally, I think there's also um, a reluctance from Japan to change because it would, uh, they would have to acknowledge that they have been violating children's rights for the last 30 years. And Japanese people are extremely, extremely uh, pride. Um, you know, it's really, they, they, they come across as very humble people. It's actually the total opposite, um, uh, really. So uh, they, they don't want to admit that they've done things wrong, uh, especially since they've been criticizing every govern, every foreign government attempt um, to ask Japan to, to put an end to uh, child abduction. So now if suddenly they flipped, they would, they would that, that, that would say that would mean that um, they have uh, lied to other governments for the last thirty years. They have violated children's rights for the last thirty years, um, and this is something that you know Japanese would never do. They would never admit their mistakes. Something else you mentioned just now is about the feminist groups. I've read reports saying that the poverty rate in single mothers is alarming when it comes to Japan. If that is the case, why are these feminist groups? advocating for alienation and abduction when it's easier to raise the children, especially financially, if they were to have a shared custody arrangement? Absolutely. Actually, there was a survey, um, and, and I couldn't find it again. Um, I'll have to dig it out. That showed that um, the bulk of the single mothers not receiving child alimony money um, uh, was, was made up by mothers who preferred not to have any interaction with their uh, previous husband um, and, and, um, and, and cut every possible ties between their children and, and their fathers. Um, and they preferred to do that and not collect child daily money that rather than collecting child daily money and having to respect visitations orders. <laughs> this is, again, you know, this is, uh, this is unbelievable from, uh, you know, the perspective of anyone outside of Japan, but this is, this is a Japanese mindset. Um, they'd rather uh, put their children in a poor position rather than having to respect their, uh, the, the most fundamental interests. We recently spoke to Scott McIntyre, an Australian man who's going through a similar situation as yours, where his children were abducted by a Japanese yeah. mother. He mentioned to me that uh, most of the media in Japan is filtered, censored, and controlled by the government. Hence, we are not hearing too much about the abduction cases that are happening. Do you agree? What is your opinion on the media manipulation by the Japanese government? Yeah, absolutely. There's no freedom of press in Japan. I think uh, Japan ranks among the worst um, uh, behind actually third world countries in terms of the freedom of press. Um, so this, this is a well-known issue and everything is controlled by the government. Um, and, and it's also the reason why you know nothing's changing really, um, because the, the, you, you see tons of articles uh, or, or documentaries about uh, single mothers uh, being poor, uh, you know about um, you know children committing suicide and 
but, but, but they're not really looking into the reasons why. Uh, and that because, it, again, as I said, you know, it bothers them and they would have to, to acknowledge that they've been, uh, they've been in the wrong for the last 30 years. Naturally, my next question is what people can do to help you and the others who are suffering through the same situation. How can we help to make sure that parental alienation and abduction stops? Well, I, I frankly believe that nothing is going to change. The changes won't come from within Japan. Uh, Japan will only bend to international pressure. Uh, if you look at the history of Japan, you know, J- Japan has evolved um, or has stopped committing uh, atrocities after the international community, uh, community uh, put strong pressure on them. Um, so, uh, you know, they, 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 it's really trying to mobilize people to, to request their own government to do something um, towards Japan. You know, if suddenly we had a resolution in, uh, in Europe last year uh, that requested um, all uh, embassies of, um, uh, of member states being present in Japan to put a warning on their website about the risk of child abduction for anyone coming to Japan. Um, so far, the, 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 the only real warning posted has been from Italy. So, you know, the beginning would be, you know, to put an end to child abduction, we should warn people of the risk, uh, you know, of coming to Japan or um, uh, having a child with a Japanese uh, passport holder. Uh, that, that would be the first step to put an end to it. But we also need to bring our, our already kidnapped children back. So uh, for that, um, you know, we... We need the international community to put pressure on their on their own government to act, and that could be through uh, class action. Uh, it could be through uh, protests. It could be through um, parliamentary, uh, you know, lobbying uh, that that could end up on a um, on a decision to act. Uh, many things can be done, but you know. The, the change will not come from Japan. On a positive note, the Japanese parents have started to, uh, to voice up over the last two years, but it's, it's not what it should be. Uh, still considering that they make up 95% of, of the issues, you know, I'm, I'm still part of the minority. The, the bulk of the abductions are from a, a Japanese parent to another Japanese parent. Um, so, but, you know, we, we have an, an ongoing case uh, to the United Nations. We, we uh, filed a... Um, uh, a class action uh, against the state of Japan for gross violation of children's rights uh, back in August of 2019. Um, so clearly Japan is under the scrutiny of, of the UN. Um, there, there's a high chance that Japan will not uh, listen to, um, to the UN uh, rulings, uh, and that's purely because it's non-binding. But if we have at least a um, uh, guidance from the UN that they fully agree that Japan commits repeatedly, systematically gross violation on, of children's rights on, on a very large scale, then that's a tool for all of us to go uh, to our respective governments and, um, and have them acknowledge that it's time for them to, uh, to, to, to act. And as, you know, the time for self-diplomacy is over. I mean, they've been trying for 30 years. Clearly, it's something we need, they need to change their, their approach. For any Japanese citizens who are listening, what can they do? Can they join you in the strike or support you in any way? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, first of all, the Japanese have started, um, you know, uh, picking up the fight, and and I'm and I'm extremely thankful for that. You know, there are like six class actions right now ongoing in Japan, um, uh, requesting the government to put an end to child abduction. Unfortunately, they're all being dis- dismissed one by one uh, by the. 
by the judicial system, um, and, that's, and that's very sad, which shows really that Japan is not really a democracy um, and uh, the Japanese system does not work. Uh, I, you know, anyone is welcome to join the hunger strike, but I, I will certainly not ask anyone to join because this is too much of a commitment to, um, you know, to, to ask anyone. It should be, this is a decision that should be done, uh, uh, thought over uh, for a long time because there are obviously um, consequences to that action. And, and I think, you know, if you do a hunger strike and you stop after one week or two weeks because you see that it leads to nowhere, then, you know, you lose credibility and, and the fight loses credibility. So uh, if someone wants to join it, they, they, they have to be willing to go all the way um, or until, uh, as I mentioned, um, our children are back or there is actually clear sanction, uh, sanctions from, uh, from governments to, uh, you know, towards Japan uh, and the sanctions to be applied up until Japan provides reparation, uh, again, according to UN principles to our children. But, you know, in terms of helping, uh, anyone who wants to bring me some water uh, is welcome to come along. Anyone who wants to join is, is welcome to join. Um, uh, you, you know, usually hunger strikes take place in hospitals or, or prisons, uh, but I'll be doing that outside. So it, it adds um, an additional layer to, um, you know, to, 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 to the action where, you know, to go to the bathroom and have to walk, which is not easy um, once you've, uh, you know, you stopped eating for two, three weeks because it's very difficult to move. Um, same with, you know, being able to, to, have, a, you know, to have a shower. Um, and there's also the risk that the police would come and arrest me. Um, so it, it is good if, you know, people come and show their support because it would make it more difficult for the police to, um, to, to, uh, to arrest me on on whatever ground, but uh, in Japan, you don't need to, to have a clear ground to be arrested. How do people find you online and follow along through this journey? Is there a website or Facebook page for this? And of course, if they were to come and see you during the strike, how do they find you? Yeah, so physically, I have two banners um, that are two meters high uh, next to me, uh, one in English, one in Japanese, stating that my children have been abducted by the Japanese uh, because... It is the Japanese who have abducted my, you know, my children. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the mother. Uh, it's, it's probably the help she's received from her family members. Uh, it's the police. It's the judicial branch. It's the government. All, all of these people are actually responsible for the abduction of my children. Um, so I'll have banners uh, stating that. Um, and then I've have, I have a, a Facebook page dedicated to my children. Um, I have a Facebook page uh, dedicated to this action. Um, I've got a Twitter account, uh, a YouTube channel, and I'll be posting daily videos um, of you know, roughly two minutes long that will explain one uh, side of the issue, um, but also uh, uh, show and follow the you know the degradation, the, the sorry the degradation of uh, my health conditions. Um, and, and so that people can, you know, see the, really the struggle uh, that one has to go through to be able to have his uh, children's rights respected. And I really hope that through the uh, deterioration of my health, um, that people will see that it's, it's representing the deterioration of our children's health. Uh, because we know that child abduction and child uh, alienation is child abuse. Uh, but, for one, it's not necessarily uh, visible to the naked eye, 
Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, I can be the interpretation of the, of the mental struggle. And, and two, um, you have to know that uh, the Japanese authorities and, and on the Japanese courts are forbidding us to have our children uh, meet with uh, child psychologists that are independent from family courts because they, they, they want to hide the fact that our children are you know, being abused, uh, essentially. So I'm, I'm hoping that you know, through the, the, the weight loss, through the, uh, you know, the, the, the risk that it poses to, to my health, um, people will see that um, and, and think about you know, the struggle that our children go through. Just thinking about how you are so calm knowing that you might die in this process is giving me the chills. Now, with that said, if your children are listening to this podcast or listen to this in the future, what is your message to them? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, depending on the outcome, I want them to know that um, I give everything for them to the last drop, um, uh, but, but also that they are certainly not responsible for, um, for the current and future situation. Uh, they, they, they are the victim, and I really want them to, to think of themselves uh, as, as victims and certainly not, res- not being responsible for, for whatever happened and, 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 and is going to happen. Um, uh, and they have to know that they had the you know unconditional love and support from their father, um, uh, and uh, and I want them to be you know to to, to be happy with that. Um, uh, it's not me trying to abandon them. I'm just doing it because, as I said at the beginning, I have an obligation towards them uh, as as a, as a parent to 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 give everything I have to protect them, and and that's that's what I'm doing. All right, Vincent. Thank you for spending time with us. I wish you. Good luck, and we at Find My Parent are ready to assist you in any way possible. With that said, if you're interested in this journey with this hunger strike, you can visit findmyparent.org slash Vincent Fisher or just go to the show notes to get the links. We will document his journey on a daily basis and we'll also share his updates through our social media channels. Now, I would like to remind everyone that our goal here is to share knowledge with you guys and show that you're not alone in this. With that said, If you need specific legal advice, please get your own independent advice from a qualified legal practitioner. If you're a minor or if you happen to have difficulties in understanding certain parts within this episode, please approach a responsible adult or someone knowledgeable and ask them for clarifications. We have done our best to make sure that it doesn't offend anyone. And if you have further questions or comments regarding Find My Parent or this interview or you want to know more about what's happening with Vincent, you can always email me at sk at findmyparent.org. If you're someone who got separated from your own parent and would like to find your parent again, please go to findmyparent.org and fill out your details. With the help of our smart algorithms and matching technology, we hope to help you find your alienated parent again. If you're part of an NGO or even a private company passionate about this topic, please reach out through the contact us page in findmyparent.org and we hope to work together with you. All right, folks, that's it for this week. Speak to you next week. Take care till then.